0: I want you to turn your Bibles tonight to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. In just a few minutes, we're going to turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 24. I want to ask you to stand with me again as we read the scripture tonight. John chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse number 7. We're going to read through verse number 11. And this, just a few minutes, we'll go to Acts chapter 24. I would ask you to do one thing for me in these next 35 minutes, and that is I ask you, I ask you a favor for me personally, that you would simply give me your mind and just think with me as I ask you the question, what is the source of your convictions? convictions? Follow as I read John chapter 16, verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, let me ask you the question. Who is the Comforter? Holy Spirit. All right. The Holy Spirit is the Comforter. He is also the convictor. Notice verse number 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach tonight... I pray that I would be able to deliver this particular truth in a way that would challenge our thinking. And Lord, by the end of the message, we would determine the source of our convictions. And Lord, we would place them in the right place. We would put our source of conviction in the Word of God. I pray that you'd help me. Fill me with your Spirit In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. There appears to be two main or types of convictions spoken of in the Word of God. I find a conviction of conscience. Now, it acts very similar to a conviction of the Holy Spirit. However, a conviction of conscience is a bit different. A conscience can be trained for good or bad. There are some folks that grow up around cursing. They see nothing wrong with using vulgar language or using God's name in vain. There are some folks that grow up in a a culture or grow up in an environment where their conscience is trained to be kind uh, to others. And there, there are so many ways we can train our conscience. And most of the time, we determine right or wrong by the training of our conscience. Conscience is affected by culture. Conscience is affected by trend. Conscience is affected by what is popular at the moment. In Acts chapter 24, we have an example of a conviction that is a very strong conviction, and yet it appears to be a conviction of conscience. Would you take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 24? And notice here that Paul is speaking to Felix, and he is going to appeal to Caesar. Felix is a judge of a high authority. And the Bible says in verse number 24 of Acts chapter 24, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now you understand it has become a popular thing. It has become a well-known thing that the gospel is being preached and many, many folks are being converted. In verse number 25, the Bible says and as he reasoned of righteousness, of temperance, and of judgment uh, to come, Felix trembled and answered, "'Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season,' "...I will call for thee." Now notice his behavior in the next verse. "...He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him, wherefore he sent for him the oftener, and communed with him." Now, notice Felix has the power to let Paul out of prison, uh, to set Paul free, and he reasons with Paul about uh, the judgment, and about Christ, and about temperance, and about righteousness, and the Bible says he trembles. Uh, He responds to what Paul is telling him, but there seems to be no lasting uh, results. In fact, he goes right back to his behavior, and he is seeking money from Paul, and looking for a bribe so he can let Paul out of prison. Notice in verse number 27 and after two years Porcius Festus came into Felix's room and Felix willing to show the Jews a pleasure left Paul bound. Now Felix trembled when he reasoned with Paul but that conviction quickly went away. It did not result in salvation. The conviction of Felix uh, that he had was one of a pressure of uh, of culture, uh, one of pressure of popularity. Now, it's sort of like the feeling a person gets uh, when a police officer catches them or a school teacher or a school principal or someone in authority catches you doing wrong. Uh, there is a guilt. There is a conviction that comes. But when the teacher is gone or the police officer is gone, uh, there's no lasting uh, a conviction. It's just a conviction of conscience. It's the person who gets right with God because they are sick and fear, fear uh, that they're going to die. And they ask God to help them. They ask the church to pray for them. They show up at church. Uh, but they start getting better physically. And the more they get better physically, the less they come to church. And before long, uh, they've forgotten all about the prayer. They've forgotten all about the fear and back to the life uh, that they had lived. Now, that's a conviction of conscience. That's a conviction of pressure. It's a conviction of popularity. It's a conviction of convenience. However, we read in our text in John chapter 16 that there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, the work of the Holy Spirit brings a conviction that is far different in its behavior than the conviction of offending a conscience or a shame or a in the presence of danger, Paul was convicted of the Holy Spirit. "...on the Damascus Road about being a sinner, and Paul was converted. He was born again." The Ethiopian eunuch was reading the Scripture when Philip went, and he joined himself to his chariot, and he asked him what he was reading, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah, and the Bible said he began in the same Scripture, and he preached unto him Jesus. There was a conviction that came that resulted in a conversion." The Philippian jailer, he said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe, and uh, uh, you can be saved if you will believe there was a conviction of the Holy Spirit that resulted in a conversion. Now, conviction of the conscience causes a man to procrastinate. Felix said, I want you to come back when there's a better, more convenient time. However, conviction of the Holy Spirit brings a man not to procrastination but to peace with God. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Conviction of conscience convicts a man of the sins he has committed rather than convicting him of being a sinner. There's a difference in asking forgiveness in a few sins I have committed that I've been made to feel bad about or realizing uh, uh, that I am a sinner in need of a Savior for conversion. One convicts a man of righteousness that he has failed to attain. The other convicts a sinner of the righteousness of God. One conviction frightens a man of a judgment that is to come. The conviction of the Holy Spirit convinces a man of a judgment that has already taken place and that he is judged a sinner, but a Savior has come to convert him or to give him eternal life. Conviction of conscience brings a reformation. Conviction of the Holy Spirit brings a transformation." In the days of the Lord Jesus, they hated Jesus because of the truth that he gave and the conviction that he would give because of their sin. And He would often show them the difference in their lives of religion and regeneration. In fact, he told a parable in Luke chapter 11 about an unclean spirit that had gone out of a man. Uh, The Bible says, "...he walketh through dry places seeking rest." And finding none, he saith, I will return unto my house, which whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And the purpose of that parable that Jesus gave was, there are some of you that have religion, and you're working to clean up your life. You want to clean it up in a way that is impressive to others, that leaves an impression on others. But the truth is, when that sin returns, or that devil returns, he doesn't find anybody living there such as the Holy Spirit of God. He finds it swept and garnished, and he brings seven other spirits. And, of course, the end state of that man is worse sin than he was, or that he was living in, in the beginning. Jesus said, you've never been regenerated, what you have is just religion. Now, I want you to give me your attention right here. As I give you an illustration, I want to show you that there are basically four areas where we receive a conviction from. First of all, there is a conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes from the Word of God. A conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes from the Word of God. Uh, Brother uh, Cooper, would you sit in your chair right here? Just just put it right there and sit in your chair right there. You're going to represent a conviction. Uh, Bring your Bible because you represent the Word of God. Uh, You're going to represent a conviction uh, that comes of the Holy Spirit From the Word of God. Dr. Jorgensen, I want you to put your chair about right here, on the rug right here. Uh, You're going to represent a conviction of conscience from someone who does right. Now this is not a bad conviction, but it's not the best source of conviction. I'm going to show you a third one. That is a conviction of the conscience of someone that does wrong. Brother Young, I want you to put your seat right here, okay? I want you to put it right there. You are a representative of everything that's bad. Now, scoot it right over here a little bit, right there. Everything that's bad, uh, you are a representative of a conviction, or you put pressure on people uh, to do what is bad. Now, there's a fourth chair, and that is a fourth place uh, area of belief or conviction and that represents you and me. So any of us could sit in this chair. We'll come back to this chair in just a few minutes. Now, there are many today who have never paid attention to the source or motives of their convictions. You've never thought about why do I do what I do? You never thought Why do I get a short haircut? You never thought about, why do I have a King James Bible? You never really thought about it. I mean, everybody in your group does it. Uh, Why do I wear dress clothes to church? Why do I go out on visitation and soul winning? Why do I believe the gospel? Uh, Why do I believe the doctrines uh, that I do? Why do I have the practices that I do uh, as a Christian? Why, you've never thought about where you got them. You never thought about where they are tonight. You just never thought about it. And everybody I see tonight, you're clean cut. You're a good looking bunch. Anybody that would come here would say, sure enough, that's a group of young fundamental teenagers right there. But the truth is, if we look at the statistics of this crowd 10 years ago, what percentage of the folks that you think would have been here 10 years ago still have the same beliefs and practices they did 10 years ago? Would you say it'd be 95% still the same? Yes or no? No. Would you say it's 75% still the same? No. It may be down around 10, 15%, Right. So if those statistics hold true, this crowd right here, about 10 to 15 percent in 10 years, will still be doing what you're doing now. You'll still be clean cut. Uh, You'll still believe the King James Bible. You'll still be a part of soul winning visitation, about 10, 15 percent. Now, the reason being is most never even think about the source of their convictions, Let's talk about, first of all, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes from the Word of God. This is a conviction. I believe what I believe because the Bible says it. God has convicted me... And I believe, first of all, that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, impeccable Word of God. I believe that it is complete. I believe that His uh, inspired Word is alive in my King James Bible. You believe that? You believe that, and if I ask you why you believe what you believe, some of you could give me a Bible verse that you believe you're saved by grace through faith. If I said to some of you, can you tell me why you should be a member of the local church, you could not give a Bible answer, but that is the best answer, that is the best source of convictions, the Word of God. Now, my heart's desire and purpose of this sermon to get as many people as I can to move their source of convictions from, I just want to do what I want to do. You sign your Bible, Genesis 3, 5, and 6. When the devil said to Eve, you can just be a god to yourself. Be your own god. Some folks are going to follow... The convictions or influences of the world. Right now, the majority of you are following, following the convictions of good people. What I'd like to do is to get you move from one, two, three. I'd like to get you to move over here. Amen. Now, first of all, if I can just get you to think about it. Why do you do what you do? Why are you here? Why are we uh, singing the songs we are? Why are we a part of a preaching service? Now, first of all, we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Second of all, we have the conviction of conscience from someone who does right. This is simply copying someone because we think they are right. Now, I want to tell you something. This is not a bad person. In fact... This is probably the person that, that, that in, uh, introduces all of us to the possibility of living with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This may re- represent a spiritual dad and mom. This may represent Bible college president. This may represent your youth pastor. This may represent your coach. It may represent an authority that, that, that represents a list of rules that you have to follow to get the benefit of whatever organization they lead. For example, the principal of the Christian school says, if you attend, if you come to our Christian school, you have to attend our church. And so you say, well, I I really want to go to the Christian school. I'd be willing to attend church. And so you go to church because it is a rule for you to go to church. And the principal says, now, young man, you're going to have to keep a tapered haircut. Tapered is a fundamental word. You're going to have to keep a tapered haircut. Well, never had one before, but I really would like to go to that Christian school and Everybody there has one anyway. All the fellas do, so I'll get a tapered haircut. Now, young ladies, if you attend the Christian school, uh, you'll have to follow the guidelines for a Christian school. You'll have to wear skirts or dresses. Well, I really want to go to the Christian school. I really want to play on the volleyball team. They've got a good team, and I think I could make it. Sure, I could wear dresses and skirts. That's what all the girls there wear. And so, you wear a dress or a skirt. You have a tapered haircut you wear clothes like you're supposed to wear you go to church on sunday and because of all the activities you even go on a soul winning visitation and the reason you go is because you've been influenced by the school principal or you've been influenced by the coach you want to play basketball you want to play volleyball by the way if you wanted to be a new york yankee you might lack long hair but if you're a yankee you can't have it or didn't used to be able to Is that still the case today with the Yankees? You might like to wear a mustache, but if you want to be a Yankee, you have to shave the mustache. And so you don't shave the mustache because you don't like it. You shave the mustache because you want to be a Yankee. Do you follow me tonight? Do you follow me tonight? Yes or no? You follow me tonight. Now, there are many good people right here that influence our life. However, there are the folks that want to influence us for wrong. This is a crowd that Brother Davis talked about last night, all of them wrapped up in the ability of that cell phone. Whether it's music, whether it's attitude, whatever it may be, a behavior that's promoted by Hollywood and the music industry, the lavish lifestyles that live a lavish life to the full ripe age of 32. This is a crowd that tells people it's all right to live in adultery and use curse words and talk back to your parents. And instead of putting your hand over your heart, taking the hat off your head and standing uh, in honor when the flag is raised, uh, uh, this crowd says, look, if you want to take a knee, take a knee. Stand up for what you believe. They don't know what they know, let alone what they believe. But they just want to be a punk. They just want to be a rebel. And this crowd right here, they'll cheer for you. They'll write about you in the newspaper and talk about the courage that you have to take a knee instead of standing. Now, the rest of us red-blooded Americans would love to see that quarterback have his offensive line when the ball is snapped to just step out of the way one time. But this influence is out there, isn't it? Now I'm not ready to come to that crowd yet, and that's me. That's, that's what I want to do, but, but I'm not ready to talk about that there. I want to tell you how most folks get over there. Most folks live their life with this person. It may be the preacher, maybe a coach, maybe a school principal, maybe it's mom and dad, maybe it's grandma. Man, I gotta do right. Grandma catch me listening to that, I'd be in trouble. Well I wouldn't want to break I wouldn't want to break grandma's heart. I'd break her heart if she knew I smoked cigarettes. I no way I'd ever smoke a cigarette around Grandma. It's a good person. But all of a sudden, this person's gone, or this person falls in sin, or this person changes, and there you are. You're left hung out to dry. Your representative of convictions has changed. That preacher that used to preach the Word of God, he doesn't preach the Word of God anymore. In fact, they don't even have church on Wednesday night, and they cancel church on Sunday night, every opportunity they have, and he lets his children dress different than he used to, and he's changing, and there you are. Well, that's aggravating. That's frustrating. Here I am, I'm embarrassed that my preacher, he don't stand anymore, why should I? My preacher, he doesn't he dress like that anymore, why should I? Well, the coach, he smokes now, what's wrong with me smoking? Well, the principal, he used to believe that, he goes to the movies now, why can't I go to the movies? Now, the truth is, this person is constantly changing. They are getting older. Hey, we've talked about people this week. Most of you, you never met them. You've only heard their names. Many of you have been born since Dr. Howells died. Do you know it was a sad day for me, not just when Dr. Howells died... But when the representative of many men of God, the representative of their convictions died. Dr. Howell's not alive anymore, so if I want to use a little contemporary music, I'll use a little contemporary music. I'll change my service to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't have to worry about Lee Robertson showing up and say, 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, Sunday night, 7 o'clock. I was with Lee Robertson one night, preaching in a conference, and church started at 6 o'clock. His whole sermon was, what was wrong with changing church to 6 o'clock? I felt so sorry for that pastor. I mean, I changed supper time to 7 o'clock every night. (laughs) Dr. Robertson's not here anymore, so we'll have church. We may not even have Sunday evening church. I remember that guy was a, man, he was a real soul winner. Every time he saw you, he'd ask you, have you won anybody to Christ lately? You know, I'm sort of glad he's old and senile now because I don't have that pressure to, to go soul winning anymore. Now, here's what this person does. I'm tired. I'm tired of living to please people. I'm tired of, I'm tired. I've lived my whole life just trying to please people. I'll tell you what, I'm going to enjoy life for a while. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so they start looking for the subcultures that represent them. In fact, here's what they say when you talk to them on Saturday. Well, preacher, I'm looking for a church that, that fits me. I'm looking for a church that I'd like. I mean, I want to go to a youth department where the music I can enjoy. I want to go to a church that they don't fuss at you and yell at you all the time about what you wear, where you've been. And, I mean, they don't mind if you date as a teenager. Hey, I want to do my own thing. And here's what they say. They say this. I'm not going to be a hypocrite anymore. Isn't it better... To be honest, I used to not wear pants as a girl. I really didn't believe that. I did that to please the principal. I'm not living for the principal anymore. And it would be better for me to not be a hypocrite and just be who I am. Now, you need to read Genesis chapter 3 again. Because what the devil did, he went to Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he said, you don't have to believe God. You can be your own God. You can decide what is right and what is wrong. And when you say, I'm tired of being a hypocrite, I'm going to do my own thing, what you're saying is, God is not God anymore, I'm God. I'd be ashamed to call myself a Christian. So what's the answer? What is the answer? How do we keep this person from being disappointed by a coach, parents, grandparents, a pastor that has died or that has changed or that has gone into sin? How do we keep this person from feeling like that? Here's what we do. We decide we don't believe the Bible is the word of God because the preacher said it was the word of God. We believe the Bible is the word of God because God said it was the word of God. And let me tell you something. God's never going to change. And His Word will never change. It is forever settled in heaven. He'll never let you down. He'll never fall. He'll never fail. He'll never change His standards or His belief. He is the truth. He is the same. He'll never change. Now, it's not a bad thing for you to do right because a youth pastor does right. That's not a bad thing. But you better grow up in the Lord and transfer what you believe, why you believe it, from your youth pastor to the source he gets it from. He gets it from the Word of God. In fact, as a pastor, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to follow who I'm following. I don't want you to believe what I preach. I want you to believe the book that I preach. I don't want you to believe what I do because I do it. I want you to believe what I preach because I'm preaching this book, this eternal book. And one day I'll be gone. And one day my voice will be silenced. And one day you'll not hear me anymore. But the old book will live on. And if your convictions get transferred to the Word of God, you'll live your whole life doing right because the Bible says what you believe now I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to 2nd Chronicles chapter 34 by the way this crowd that's tired of being a hypocrite this crowd that they, they, they threw away their skirts and their, and their culottes and they got their blue jeans on I ain't a hypocrite no more I'm going to do what I want to do. That's about the most miserable bunch I've ever seen. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no peace. There's no contentment. Because you can't satisfy yourself. You can only be happy doing what the Creator made you to do, and that's to bring honor and glory to Him. Now, my dad didn't just believe what he believed. My dad would have died for his convictions. They don't need an argument with him about what he believed. I mean, they don't need to. He, He wouldn't say, well, you present your side and I'll present mine. He already said God's side is right. If you want to be different, you can be wrong if you want to. But I believe the book. You would not going to get him to change anything. You wouldn't get him to change his convictions. You wouldn't get him to... Even his preferences, he'd die for. If you didn't buy what you needed on Saturday, if you ran out of gas on Sunday, you'd walk home, but you wouldn't buy nothing on Sunday. That was what my dad's preference was. And that's what the rule was. You ain't playing ball on Sunday, son. They don't need to think about it. You're not gonna play real ball, electronic ball, you ain't gonna play no kind of ball. Sunday is God's day. And that's all we did is church stuff. We didn't buy nothing on Sunday. My dad cut my hair. I had two choices. Do you want bangs or don't you? Rest of it was the same. I mean, friend, he wasn't about to discuss it. He wasn't about to call it an opinion. I mean, he would fight. He would die for what he believed. Now, I'll tell you what I did. I loved my dad, and I did what he told me, not just because he told me, but because he was my hero and I loved him. But my dad was smart enough to say, Son, I am going to show you something. And he had, in the back of his Bible what was called the Articles of Faith. And it was every Bible doctrine. I could say Baptist doctrine because the Bible will make you Baptist. And he said, Son, I want you to read and memorize all these verses about the Holy Spirit. I want you to read and memorize all of these verses about the Bible being the Word of God. I want you to read and memorize all of these verses, maybe 6, 8, 10, 12 of those verses about why we're supposed to be separated from the world. And he would have me read and memorize those. You know why he did? Because he knew he wouldn't live forever. And he didn't want my conviction to be grounded in him, he wanted my conviction to be grounded in the Bible. So when my dad died, my convictions stayed the same. They weren't rooted in my father. They were rooted in the Word of God because he didn't point me to himself. He pointed me to where he got his convictions. Now go to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. If you're in 2 Chronicles 34, say amen. Amen. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. Now let me stop right there. David was not his daddy. David was not his father. David was a father before him. He would have been a great, great, great grandfather. He would have been in the line of kings. And when the Bible says he walked in the ways of his father, he looked at the ways of the kings before him, and he recognized the ways of David were blessed above all the ways of any king, and he said, that's who's going to be my hero. That's who's going to be my pattern. I'm going to do exactly like David my father did. Now notice what the book says. And decline neither to the right hand nor to the left. When they said, Josiah, here's a good book about the progressive movement. I'm not interested in that book. I already have the truth. Here's how just a bit of contemporary music could help you. I'm not interested in that. I'm just following the ways of my father. If my daddy did it, I'm going to do it. If my father, King David, did it, I'm going to do it. If he didn't do it, I'm not going to do it. God blessed him, and I'm going to follow him. Now, notice what the Bible says here. In verse number 3, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek the God of David, his father. Now that's it. That's what I'd like for you to do. There is no youth pastor in this building that wants you to follow them only. They want you to follow what they are following. They want you to seek the God they serve. There's a lot of good people that follow these good examples. But by the time they're 16, 18, 20, 25 years old, they're mad and they're frustrated because they were let down or the influence was gone. I want to ask you tonight, Why do you believe what you believe? Why do you do what? Well, he makes me. I have to to play basketball. I have to. Can I tell you, he didn't make that rule so you could play basketball. He made that rule because he got that from God. He doesn't have boys look like men because he just wants to have boys that look like men. He wants boys to look like men because that's what the Word of God wants you to be. He doesn't have boys that just have a clean mouth uh, in his school Uh, just because he doesn't want bad language. He doesn't want bad language because God said, and it's in the Ten Commandments, if you use his name in vain, you always get in trouble for that one. Why do you believe what you believe? Could I get you to consider writing down what you believe, what you do, And get not a name beside it, but get a Bible verse beside it. God's Word will never let you down, it'll never change. There'll come a day you'll hear of a preacher that has fallen, it'll break your heart. And if you followed that preacher and you do what you do because he did it, you'll be betrayed. But if you'll do what you do because God said it, preachers can come and go, live and die, succeed or fail, and you'll stay on the right path. Would you stand with me tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The ball has been passed to you tonight. Don't let the story of Jesus die. You've been asked to consider the source of why you believe what you believe. We're glad you're here and you're willing to be cooperative according to the rules. But we would like for you to see beyond the rule book and the good person that represents them and see that those are what God has for us to live by. Heavenly Father, please do a work in our invitation. I pray that nobody would come forward because somebody else does. But I pray that each young man, each young lady would say, I want to do right because it's right. I want to do right because God's Word says to do right. In Jesus' name, amen.